Hello and welcome to the Diabetech Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and I have type 1 diabetes. On this podcast, I talk all things diabetes, diabetes technology, management, and beyond, bringing on special guests like diabetes educators, people in the tech industry, and other people with diabetes. New episodes release every Monday on YouTube and on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to follow. And if you want to be awesome, you can give it a rating. Today, I'm speaking to my very own diabetes educator, Mary Rose DiRocco. She's coming on to talk about early diagnosis of type 1 diabetes. Mary Rose is a certified diabetes care and education specialist based in Los Angeles. She has over 30 years of experience working with children and adults with type 1. Now, she was there with me when I was diagnosed just two years ago, and she gave me the education and support I needed, made me feel less alone, and helped me manage my diabetes head on. So if you were just diagnosed, this is the episode for you. And don't worry, if you weren't just diagnosed, you'll still find this conversation very interesting. We're going to get into diabetes technology, how to deal with burnout, how parents can show support to their children with diabetes, and how helpful it is to seek a diabetes educator really at any point of your diabetes journey when you want to make improvements or tweaks to your health plan. Anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. You should always consult with your physicians before making changes to your healthcare. All right, before we get into this interview, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Today's podcast is sponsored by Frio. Frio is a reusable evaporative cooling case that keeps insulin and other medications cool for about two to four days. Frio is my go-to accessory for keeping my insulin pens and vials cool when I travel or go out on a hot day. What I like most is how easy it is to set up. It never needs ice packs or refrigeration. To activate, you just need to soak it in water for about 10 to 15 minutes. Then let it dry, put in your insulin, and it's ready to go. It comes in a bunch of different sizes and can fit anywhere from 2 to 10 pens and vials. The smallest Frios can fit in your pocket. You can get a Frio for yourself at FrioInsulinCoolingCase.com or use the link in the description of this episode. Be sure to use the code JUSTIN10 for 10% off your order. Mary Rose, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was so important for me to have you on to discuss early diagnosis because you were there for me during my early diagnosis and such a valuable role in my growth. And I'm just so excited to have you here and to talk about um, all of this stuff with you. So thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. This is great. Of course. So Mary Rose, first of all, tell me more about what you do as a diabetes educator. Thank you. Yes. Um, so I'm a diabetes care and education specialist. So they changed our role. So we don't just educate patients. We're behavioral health professionals. So basically we help people manage their diabetes. And that, and we help them cope with their diabetes. Diabetes is a chronic condition, so we're on your health team um, for the rest of your life. Um, I call myself sort of like a life, diabetes lifestyle coach. So uh, I help people with insulin. I help them make good food choices. I help them with exercise and and coping and having babies and getting married and traveling with diabetes. So um, I have a real unique specialty. I'm a nurse, but there are other people that do what I do that are exercise physiologists and um, pharmacists and dietitians. So there's, there's a lot of support out there. So thanks for giving me this platform to sort of share what we do. 
Of course. So I remember how like kind of my state was when I first saw you and we'll get into that in just a bit, but kind of tell me what people are like, what, what is their mental state? What state are they in when they come see you after that diagnosis? Yeah, this is a great question. And this topic uh, came up at a perfect time for me because I just got this past week, two patients diagnosed exactly like you, like they were misdiagnosed with type two diabetes. And then later we've just recently found that they have antibodies and a low C peptide and they're not making any insulin. So, um, and it's interesting because they're all so different. So you came in, you were like ready. You know, like, thank God I found out. I got, you know, um, one patient I had last week, she was just devastated. She could barely think of questions. She was shaking all over. I had to give her her first insulin injection. I had to put her on a CGM and she really didn't feel that ready. She was very scared. She brought her mother and her boyfriend with her, you know, so it's a totally different experience than you, you know, and then I had another lady who was very similar to you. Oh, give me the mealtime insulin. I'm ready to start eating carbs. I've been starving myself for six months, you know, so every patient is so different. And, um, I think for me, I just have to meet them where they're at. Um, it can be a very emotional experience. Um, for people. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely in an emotional state, but, um, I remember after seeing you just feeling very at ease, feeling less alone, you know, just hearing from you, um, that like things will be okay. It just sounded like you've done it so many times. I was like, Oh, okay. She knows what she's saying. I'm not the first person like this. And, and it's funny you bring up, uh, two other uh, LADA patients, which is latent autoimmune disease in adults. It's when you're diagnosed later in age. Um, yeah, I was misdiagnosed as type two uh, with type two diabetes. I was on a completely different treatment plan, and I was put. You know, just to talk about kind of the way I was diagnosed. Um, I was just posting videos on TikTok, and people found those videos, and and luckily they came to my aid. But this happens all too often, um, and I'm glad that at least my content and maybe other people's content out there at least is bringing um, light to that because it's just so surprising how often this is happening. Uh, quick question on that. Do you know if like, is there more education going into like doctors about this? Because it's just happening so much. Like are doctors getting better at this? Doctors, especially after COVID are a little bit more aware that type one diabetes can be a risk factor after getting COVID-19, but I think most primary care doctors, even endocrinologists, aren't subspecialized in type 1. So yes, there's more awareness to endocrinologists um, to test for type 1 diabetes, um, but both of those patients that were misdiagnosed were seeing endocrinologists. Um, so, and I think type 1 diabetes is such a rare form of diabetes that uh, I don't think there is increased awareness in the primary care world. Um, when they just see a high A1C in an adult, they just put you in that bucket, you know. Wow. Um, but that's also one thing I think may have been the relief about our meeting is that you found somebody that specializes in adult 
diagnosis of type 1 diabetes. And you were probably like, hallelujah, somebody understands me. She works with other patients. You know, she has a support group. She says, I'm never going to go away. I'll always be on your team. You know, that kind of feeling and talk, able to talk to you about insulin. And, you know, I think that's very comforting. And that's one thing I would recommend that people do is seek out um, a professional that's a specialist in type 1, either in pediatrics or in adult diabetes. Now, let's get back to that early diagnosis. Um, what are the phases of grief? I know you kind of wanted to talk yeah. about that, like the phases of grief and getting to the acceptance of the right. disease. Um, so there's five phases of grief, um, and they don't go in any order. You can start in acceptance and then go, oh, no, then start to get angry. You can start, most people start in anger, then they go into denial, and then there's bargaining. Um, that's in and out um, throughout the, the phases. Um, depression can be a big part of, uh, of, of the uh, grief process. And people go in and out of those phases until uh, finally they get into acceptance. Um, and then, you know, you could be in acceptance for a couple of years and then go back into denial because you're busy with other things in your life. Um, but it is, you know, it can be an extremely traumatic experience to be diagnosed with a, with a chronic disease, you know. Um, and I think, you know, staying in acceptance and, you know, having a non-judgmental, curious way about your diabetes, um, you know, like you do, Justin, and always feeling willing to grow and change with the times and um, advocate for yourself is a sustainable way to do it. And, um, you know, to always have a, a medical team that you see on a regular basis so that you don't fall back into denial. You know, that's, that, that can be a yeah. big trap in any, in any chronic illness, you know? Yeah. And I definitely, um, had a moment of denial on my end, um, because leading, even before my misdiagnosis of type two, I knew I noticed symptoms and I had doctors tell me your blood sugar is a little elevated, but I just, I just wanted to live life. Like I was, I felt fine. I was peeing very often, but I didn't know that was definitely like a symptom that was for years. Um, and I even looked back on my phone recently. I just searched in my text messages, diabetes. Um, and I don't even remember why. And I saw dated back to like 2019, Keep in mind, I was diagnosed in 2021, 2019. I texted my friend, Jenna, who has type one diabetes. And I said, Hey, I think I could maybe have diabetes. And I guess I just like, that was a thought I had after some stuff. And then I just kept living life. And then two years later is when I get the diagnosis. So that was a long stage of denial. And, and I'm lucky I didn't go into DK diabetic ketoacidosis and wind up in the hospital and, and got help. Um, now let's move on to kind of what are the, what's the plan of attack? What are the steps you take people through? If someone right now is listening, they were like, I was just diagnosed with diabetes type one. Um, what would you kind of walk them through? What's that process? Well, the first thing I do is, is a, is a thorough assessment of their self-management and how they're feeling about their disease. I start every session off with, hi, I'm Mary Rose. I'm a diabetes educator. I have all this experience with diabetes. I work with pumps and technology, but what can I do to help you today? So like find out what is in the forefront of their mind coming into that visit. Otherwise, everything on my agenda is not going to get heard until I hear them. 
So I have a little agenda, maybe in the beginning, some survival skills, we call them, like making sure they know how to treat hypos, making sure they know how to give the right insulin dose, making sure they know how to check their blood sugars or make adjustments for exercise. These are all things in my agenda, but their agenda always comes first because that's what they want to hear and that's where they'll want to change and learn. So I always assess the patient. I give them a, um, a space to express whatever's going on with them and then I take it from there. So having rigid plans, when I was a younger educator, I had these very rigid plans and these boxes that I needed to check off. I don't do it that way anymore. I uh, assess the patient by giving them a space to talk to me first. And, um, and I'll answer their questions first. Okay. And you said this yourself. I was very quick <laughs> to, to getting on to, to treatments. Um, I guess I'm just, I get kind of excited about, you know, just fixing things and, and I want to fix things. Um, is that the case for everyone? Is everyone as quick? What, what is kind of that? No, timeline? absolutely not. So as diabetes educators, we do assess for digital health literacy. And I was going to tell you, you're like, you came in to your visit with me, like at a 10, you know, cause you're a tech guy, right? So you were the, mm -hmm. you were one of the most fun and exciting patients. Cause I could take you through the whole thing in, in about a year. Right. Um, so, but no, most people come in at maybe a two or a three, 30% of my practice is Medicare patients. So good news. People with type one diabetes are living really long lives and going on pumps in their 70s and 80s. So this is something that takes a long time for me to prepare them to do, right? Um, but I would say like these two ladies that just came in that are newly diagnosed that I had last week, um, one was not ready to start on pre-meal insulin the first week. So uh, she would just take one shot a day. That's all she agreed to. And she agreed to put her CGM on. And that was it. That was all she could handle that week, you know? Um, Whereas you came in, you were already dosing your insulin and, and using injections and on multiple daily injections. So everybody is at a different phase. So yeah. And some people, most people don't even want to go on a pump until about six months after they're diagnosed. Well, they even talk to you about a pump. Um, and I, you went on yeah. a pump within three or four months, right? After me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, but I still made you jump through some hoops. I, we we had to come up, but we had to figure out your car rate. I, there was actually a moment when I was trying out um, the the in pen, which is a smart insulin pen, and I really liked that. And I would highly suggest it for people who are still on MDI and want to stay on MDI because it gives you the smarts of an insulin pen. Uh, sorry, the smarts of an insulin pump in a pen. It, it suggests how much you should bolus based off of your carb count and your CGM readings rather. And it also can dose half units, which is not something you're going to get in most insulin pens. So that just the fact that you can give yourself a micro amount um, is so important. I mean, a half a unit can do a lot, you know? So um, yeah, no, I, I definitely had this trajectory of, of moving pretty, pretty quickly. Now um, kind of with that, that uh, pace of what people are on, obviously there are a lot of moments that can also be difficult. And can you tell me a little bit about diabetes burnout and what people, especially people who are new to diabetes diagnosis, what they should expect and kind of how they can prevent diabetes burnout? Cause it's very real. I've experienced it, but 
I find that with better control also, I'm able to prevent it. Uh, but yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so first, let's go back to the in-pen. I think everyone on a pump should have an in-pen as their backup. And sometimes you get burned out on your pump and you just, like you, want to go to do a pool thing, you know, at Coachella or do something crazy and you just want to be in pool. Sometimes you want to go off your pump, you've got your in-pen, so you take the day off, you know. So, um, so I think coming up with ways to, you know, take a pump holiday, um, support group we got that group of guys that get together and they sort of compete and you know tell each other what they're doing and what new fangled things they're trying and they send each other you know their favorite snacks and things like that um so i think other people with diabetes are motivators i think influencers like you on facebook or instagram or tiktok uh, definitely help people keep other people motivated i I recommend all my patients have a, uh, a, at least four visits a year with me, just check-ins. Even if they're doing great, I still would like to check in um, because your insulin requirements uh, and things change so drastically from month to month sometimes. Um, so, it's, yeah. you know, I think it's just a good check-in, especially if you are going to get burned out. Um, and then I would just say, you know, it's, not avoidable sometimes. I mean, it's a chronic disease. I mean, uh, you get burnout. It's just part of it, you know, and that's the time that you need to come in the most. That's the time you need to check in with me the most, see me every month until things feel better. Um, go to the support group, re, you know, recommit to some of the things that worked in the beginning. And on the note of seeing a diabetes educator, I can't tell people enough how important that was to me, especially at early diagnosis. But even I agree that like the, the ability to see one, you or any diabetes educator routinely in some way over your life is great. And one thing is one thing that in, one thing that encouraged me to go so much to see you was my health insurance at the time offered free diabetes education as part of the plan. So I highly, highly, highly recommend people look at your plan because I wouldn't be surprised if, if many insurances also offer that because it's kind of a necessary thing, especially at early diagnosis. So I was seeing you like two days a week. Yeah, and you know, you, like and you were living your life and I was helping you just jump right in. You were, oh, you took that trip to Mexico with all your friends and got COVID. It was incredible. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, I you, were, you weren't doing it by yourself and I helped you get through it and you found little cooler things and all kinds of stuff, fun stuff. And, you know, you were so brave and, um, you know, I got to give you a lot of credit for that. I tell people when you're first diagnosed, come and see me at least once a month. And in the first few months where we're trying to figure your insulin out, it might be every week or every two weeks, you know, and I think that's what we went through when we were seeing each other so much so we could figure out your insulin ratios before we got you onto InPen and then the pump. And then once you got on the pump, wow, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. You were saying like taking breaks on the pump with a pen. I have not taken one day without a pump since I started almost like a year and a half ago. I just haven't felt the you need. You don't need it. You know, you're good. Like, uh, but if you're a woman wearing a bikini and you had some self-image issues and you were yeah. in your, you know, early 20s, it's different, you know? Um, so yeah. you, people, you know, whatever they need. I, I get, I totally get it. Yeah. I just love yeah. the... Yeah, I just love the control so much. I'm like, please just do it for me. And that's what I love about yeah, a pump. Yeah, and you're 
A closed pride. loop. Pump. You wear it with pride. I mean, that's part of being an acceptance yeah. is being proud, being courageous, you know, being a, an influencer or someone that pe- a, a, a mentor that people look up to. That is the final phase of grieving, you know, is acceptance. Those are qualities of a, a mm-hmm. person reaching mastery, we call it in behavioral modification. You are in, in the mastery phase of taking care of your diabetes. So. Absolutely. Yeah. For those of you who are listening, who are new to diabetes and afraid of wearing wearables on you, I say, don't, don't be wear them with pride, be proud of who you are. And if anyone, anyone doesn't accept you for that, they're not worth it. And there are so many people out there that will accept you for that. You are no different than anyone else. Everyone has their thing. And this is your thing. Everybody has (laughs) something, you know? exactly this is who i am you know and i you know it's not that easy for some people you know um but you know we we help them along and i think being part of a support group really helps people to see that wow you know i had this one woman she had such difficulty accepting her disease and she was a a real high roller in business and everything beautiful just an incredible person very well achieved in life right and she came to my support group and she said, oh my God, you're all look so healthy. <laughs> she thought it was just going to be a bunch of like, you know, sick looking people. And it's not, I mean, my patients are so well adjusted. They do everything. They play sports there. We have high performance elite athletes in our practice. Um, we have, you know, fully functioning human beings doing everything. You know, I, I say to people, it's like a condition. It's a, you know, it's a hormone replacement disease. And if you can start thinking like a pancreas and I could teach you how to do that, then you are going to be a success and you'll be able to do anything. Yeah. yeah and on that note, uh, Think Like a Pancreas is a book that you recommended for me. It helped me out a lot. I read it during that Mexico trip that I got COVID in. <laughs> um, and that's by Gary Shiner. Um, and he's actually coming onto this podcast in a, in a few episodes. I'm excited to have him. Yeah, so um, that, that'll be awesome. Yeah. So next I want to get, I know that you specialize mostly in adults, but I do want to get into parents and children, parents of children with diabetes. I have a lot of them who follow me on social media and I know a lot of them are looking for advice. Um, so first I want to just talk about kind of, do you have any advice for those parents with young children, their child just got diagnosed, what can they do? Right. I would say the most important thing is that you have a good team that specializes in type 1 diabetes. And most big cities have a children's hospital that will have a diabetes program or an academic medical institution that will have a diabetes program. Get in with a diabetes educator. Get as many appointments as allowed. Get into If they have classes, get into classes. If they have a support group for parents, get into to, to those types of things. Learn as much as you possibly can. Um, and, uh, you know, connect with other parents. And I would also say just, like, treat your kid. Try to treat your kid like a normal kid. Don't make it all about diabetes. Don't make the first thing you talk to them about when they get home from school, what are your blood sugar numbers, you know. Like, find a way, um, you know, a time to talk about diabetes, but also think of them like a normal kid. And I also would say this. My experiences, and I, you know, I've been a school nurse, I've been a diabetes educator, I've worked with kids at Children's Hospital. Um, I would say 
kids are really teachable and very um, people-pleasing when they're in the younger school age um, years. So if you can get them to learn carb counting and you can get them to give their own boluses and get them in good habits of bolusing before eating and teaching them every little thing, you know, make it fun. Like, what would you estimate that, you know, potato as? Oh, let's look it up on a calorie king or, you know, like um, make it fun for them and, and get them in good habits when they're young. And then when they're teenagers, it won't be so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk a lot about like fun tips for carb counting and, and fun devices out there that can show blood sugar. I have one back there and I've got a sugar pixel on my desk. There's a glow coast, which lights up different colors. There are ways to make it fun for kids, whether it's asking Siri or Google assistant or Amazon, you know, who, what's the carb count for that? Having, you know, those fun ways of interacting with technology, um, to make it fun for kids. that That's such a good point. I didn't even yeah, think the, about the that. But about make it, it a game. You know, you're sick. You're, you're all oh, scared. You know, all that projection. Like, try to keep that to yourself. Um, and try, you know, of course, teach them responsibility and consequences. But um, uh, you don't want to scare them about it. You don't want them to feel othered, you know. Um, and I think a lot of the perception of the, the child and the way they grow up thinking about their diabetes comes from the way their parents were thinking about diabetes and the way their parents coped with it. You know, so go to therapy, you know, work on your emotions so you're not projecting your fears and your denial and your anger onto your child. So the parents are going to go through those phases of grief when their child is not the perfect child and has a chronic illness, right? So that's the difficulty of working in peace because you've got the mother, the father's, and the child's uh, grief that you have to deal with, right? So it's not easy. Um, it's not easy for the parents. It's not easy for the educators. It's not easy for the kids. But I think it's awareness um, of our emotions before walking in uh, is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's like, let's move age groups. Now, uh, I also have a lot of parents who have kids that are in their teens, kind of more that angsty time. I don't want to talk about it, mom. And, and they always ask me and I don't even, it's hard for me to have the advice for it. Cause I, I haven't had it when I was a kid, uh, or as a teen, but like, how can parents with kids that age be supportive and not too pressing, I guess. I mean, you kind of touched on that, but is there anything else for that kind of It's a tough one, you know, and I would say if you're, you know, get, you you can be in the visit until they're 18 years old. So like our nurse practitioner sent me a patient and her mother that were fighting because the child wasn't bolusing, 17 years old, you know? And, um, you know, but the nurse practitioner said, I'm sending you, there's this problem between them, so. Um, about the bolus thing. So, you know, I sat with them. I listened to both sides of the stories. story. You know, it was this nighttime eating and not bolusing, and then the mom is going in and with the pump in the middle of the night, and she's pissed, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I said, you know, just I, I'm here to advocate for you because you're my patient. But, you know, from a mom's perspective, your mom's probably sitting out there watching TV, seeing your thing on share and your 3400, and she's thinking all the damage this must be doing night after night after night to your blood vessels. And, you know, from a mother's perspective, if it was my child, I'd sneak in there and give you a bolus too, you know? And I just said it in a real kind of playful way. And she, and the, little, and the, and the 17 year old girl says, will my blood vessels blow up? 
And I said, no, they don't, but it's kind of like when we eat too much sugar, that plaque that forms on our teeth can plaque inside these teeny tiny little blood vessels in the eyes and the kidneys. And, and she's like, oh, that's why I need to go to the eye doctor. Oh, that's why I need to bolus. Like she could hear it from me as a mom and a diabetes educator, but she couldn't hear it from her mom. You know, they couldn't have that discussion. There was just too much. So like pull in your team, pull in your support system, what I would say, and you know, be honest in those appointments and give time for the kid. Yeah, yeah. it's it's essentially therapy. And you even said this to me. You said to me, you were like, I'm your diabetes therapist. Like come to me, talk about, you could talk about anything. I remember that and that that really struck me because I was like, it really is diabetes therapy. You know, you're there to talk about how you've been doing, where you want to move forward, how can we do better with your diabetes? And it, it, it's, it, it truly well, is. Finding your, it is finding your blind spots so we could shine a little light mm -hmm. on them, but always with the light of compassion and, and, and unconditional love, you know, like, and, and getting, oh, this is what I say to parents, get rid of your perfectionism. If you've got that, put it to rest because you will never ever be okay if you expect perfection from this disease or from your child ever mm -hmm. you know or <laughs> like, um, and i think yeah. that's the key is telling people that 70 percent in range or more you know a little bit more is good enough you don't have to be a hundred percent in range you're not going to die of complications if you're not a hundred percent range. we don't say that's your target a hundred percent range right and also to remember that small children have a different target than, say, somebody in midlife and then somebody maybe that's 80 in their 80s and 90s. They all have different targets over the lifespan. So find out what your target is and how often do I need to be in target? We never expect you to be in target range all the time, right? Yeah, and um, when it comes to, like, younger kids, um, do you find that they're very impacted by the fact that they have diabetes or is it kind of just such a, like a normal kind of way of life, you know, like, yeah, that's an of... interesting insight, Justin. I think kids do much better. I think it's better to be diagnosed weirdly enough when you're a child, because you don't know any different and kids just don't know. They don't think of themselves as flawed. They don't expect perfection. You know, they're all artists until somebody tells them they're not, you know, like, so it's like they're pretty free-spirited. They're not in a lot of, uh, of pain worrying about the future, especially adolescents, because they are just not in that phase of the development of their brain chemistry, right? Only adults think about the future and obsess about the future. So I think children adapt really, really well to diabetes. It's their parents that need the most support. And um, it's difficult as a parent to, to deal with this disease. You know, it, it's very difficult. Yeah. So it yeah. takes a lot. I want to ask you a very controversial question. That's not going to sound controversial, but I feel like in the, the realm of people with diabetes, it is. And that is, do you think there will ever be a cure? People say five to 10 years for the last 20 wow. years. Yes. Um, very good uh, documentary that was just done about that. It's called the human trial. Um, about, you know, this constant, you know, I've been into diabetes since the, the 80s, right? So uh, it's always five years away, five years away. The cure is five years away. Now we are still sick of that. It's 30 years later and we do not have a cure. 
I honestly don't know, but I think tech is as close to a cure as we're going to get, which is so surprising to me. It's amazing what, where we've gotten with tech. And I feel like with some of my loop patients, uh, they have better blood sugars than some of the adults that <laughs> don't have diabetes, the pre-diabetes, you know. Um, so I think, you know, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I don't know if I'll ever see it, but I hope yeah. I do. I yeah. And on the note of the human trial, great movie. Um, and I actually went to the premiere of it because my friend Georgie Goldman was one of the producers on it. And so I went to the premiere and I'm sitting in there What the movie starts. And the first person I see in the movie was you on a computer giving telehealth to Lisa Hepner, I believe. Um, and I... <laughs> It's just like that's my diabetes educator. What are the what are the odds that it, that was it's all just... acting? We did, you know, it wasn't a real visit, but yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. It's such a small world. It really is such a small world. These names keep coming to me. Um, you know, it, it's it's a tight knit community, and and that's what I really. And, love and that documentary is not no. for children. It's a little hard to watch, but it's very profoundly uh, impactful about the cure for diabetes, and I think a very important documentary. Um, and I'm really proud of her. I mean, look, you guys can yeah. do anything. You know, uh, you can make movies. You can run tech companies. You can win Olympic gold medals. You can have babies. So I think nothing should stop you with diabetes. And you need to find an educator and a doctor that think the same way, right? That philosophy mm -hmm. so that you can do, like you were like, am I ready to go to Mexico? Can I really do it? I'm like, you can do it. Go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can do anything. If you're listening, you were just diagnosed and you're worried about that. Don't worry. I, 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 never have the thought of like, oh, I can't do this because I have diabetes. The one time I came close was going to a blackout dinner where you can't see your food. And I did a whole TikTok on that. It was a little stressful. But besides that, <laughs> and I probably won't do it again. Besides that, there really is like nothing. You can hike, you can, you can do everything. Um, now I want to, we're kind of getting to the close to the end. And I want to ask you kind of um, a question that I may have asked a little earlier, but I want you to speak directly to that viewer who's listening right now, who was just diagnosed maybe a few weeks ago today. Um, what do you have to say to them? You're not alone. There is an enormous network of people, um, educators, doctors, other patient advocates, the American Diabetes Association, the Juvenile Diabetes Association, you know, uh, the Association of Diabetes Educators. There's a huge network. There's influencers like Justin. You're not alone. Every day, it's going to get easier. You're going to learn. It's give yourself a year to master this. Don't ever give up and keep on trying. Reach out when it's tough, not just when it's good. We don't want to hear from you if it's good. You know, we, we do, of course. But, you know, stay close. Stay really, really close. Find someone like me uh, and have a relationship like Justin and I have. You know, we are uh, a team, you know. And um, you never have to do this alone. Yeah. And I kind of just wanted to speak on my own experience. I remember a very vivid moment in my early diagnosis was struggling to get insulin, long acting insulin, finally getting it at a pharmacy, just all this emotion had built up. I get to the pharmacy and they hand me a five pack of insulin pens with like a freeze pack. And they were like, you need to keep this cold refrigerated. And 
I get in the car and as I'm driving home, I just start crying because I, I thought to myself, oh, how am I ever going to live like a normal life if I need to carry around insulin with myself and it needs to be cold? I had just gone on this road trip with a friend and I was like, I'll never be able to go on a road trip again. I'll never be able to go on a vacation again. And, you know, I wasn't able to think like fully because obviously I kn I knew people that had diabetes and I was like, well, they lived lives, but like it was just this huge rush and, and all these thoughts kind of built up and it was a lot to handle, but I've, I feel like I've come so far since then. I've got everything down for how to travel. I make videos on how to do it and, and, um, you truly can do anything. You may just need to carry around a little bag with you um, on your vacation and some little treats in your, you know, fanny pack when you go to the beach, things like that. Like, but I really don't feel um, overwhelmed anymore. And, and it's okay if you do right now, you, but you will and be that okay. first year, like do it with your educator, do it with your mentor, do it, yeah. you know, do everything you love to do, eat at all your favorite restaurants, figure it out with somebody the first year and stay close, you know, and it'll get easier and easier and you'll master this like Justin has. Mary Rose, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so appreciative of it and everything you've done for me. We're definitely we're definitely going to have you on here for more. I know I know we were talking about like a whole list of topics, so we're definitely going to sprinkle you through um, this podcast because there's just so much to talk about, so many layers of this yeah. disease and new technology always coming, right? And new like treatments and stuff. So there's always going to be something yeah. to talk about. Great. Thanks for having me, Justin. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Diabetic Podcast. Mary Rose will be coming back on future episodes. And don't worry, I think we're going to invest in a better microphone so she sounds more crisp like me. New episodes of the Diabetic Podcast release every Monday on major podcast platforms and on my YouTube channel. If you want to see it in video, there is a link to that channel in the description of this episode, as well as my social accounts. I've got even more tips, tricks, and diabetes tech reviews and how-tos on social media and YouTube, so be sure to check those out. Until next time, I'm Justin, and I'll tech you later. Do you or someone you know have a collection of stamps, coins, currency, comics, or sports cards, and want to get rid of it and make some money? you should contact Markist. Visit markest.com or click the link in the episode's description and contact them today. Oh, and tell them Justin sent you.